0: hear from you, God. I pray that each and every one of us here today, Lord, indeed counts it a great privilege to be here. Lord, an opportunity to come and to lift our voices in praise as we have already done. And God, hopefully to hear a word from you, Lord, that uh, your word might find a lodging place in our hearts and our minds, God, and that we might Uh, dwell on that throughout this week, God, and that you might guide us and lead us, Lord, in a a new and better way, Lord, through what's said. And God, we just pray that your Spirit would attend to everything, Lord, that's done today. And Lord, I thought this morning of Richard Baxter many, many years ago, uh, Lord, I read a thought that he had. He said, Lord, help me to preach as I've never preached before, and help me to preach as a dying man, preaching unto dying men and women. Lord, that would be our desire this morning, and we would ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I apologize. I keep a set of glasses at work, and uh, they're trifocals, I will admit. And uh, so I can see this way, and I can see this way as well. I purposed in my mind to bring them, and I forgot them. So I've got these. But I'm not going to be able to see you with these on. I'll only be able to see this. Well, it'll be a lot of on and off. So hopefully it won't be too big of a distraction this morning. We are, as was read in your hearing, in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. And these first 15 verses that were read unto us give us an account of two of the most important events in the life of the Apostle Paul. Uh, Both of these instances, his meeting of Timothy and his beginning of the church at Philippi, would follow him through the rest of his ministry. Uh, You can see God's hand at work here, uh, providing for this Apostle in these two accounts. It was read to us that Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. Now think about that for a minute. What happened to Paul the last time he went to Lystra? Uh, we read about it not long ago. Uh, he was stoned, and he was drug outside of the city, and he was left for dead. I've got to believe that the Apostle Paul was a very, very stubborn individual. I don't believe you was going to hold him down. I believe once his eyes and his focus and his vision got set, he was going to go where he was going to go and do what he was going to do, as long as the Spirit would allow him to do so. And Paul went back to Lystra. Most of us probably would have said, I'm not fooling with them people down there. Last time I was down there, they drug me outside the city. They stole me. They left me for dead. I'm not concerned with them anymore. But that was not the way of the Apostle Paul. He had purposed to go back and to revisit the cities where he had established churches on this second missionary journey. And because of that, he and Barnabas separated, went different ways. Barnabas went elsewhere. And Paul rerouted and visited the cities he had already been to to check on the churches there in those places. And one of them, of course, was Lystra. And he knew that there were some disciples there in Lystra because he had men that when he had been stoned and drug out, they stood there with him and they helped him and they encouraged him and they brought him into the city and no doubt gave him as much medical aid and attention as they could and restored him to the point where he could continue on with his journey. So he knew that he had some disciples there in the city of Lystra. And no doubt a church probably had been started. And so he wanted to go and check on it and give them encouragement. Good thing he did. Because the Bible tells us here that a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted Timothy "...to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And they went on their way through the cities. They delivered to them the observance observance of the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they were increased in numbers daily." Folks, let me tell you something. This was not... A chance meeting between Timothy and the Apostle Paul. This wasn't just a moment in time. Do you know how many other times Timothy is mentioned in Scripture? We know Paul, on two occasions, wrote letters to Timothy to give him encouragement and to give him direction. We have both of those here in Scripture, 1st and 2nd Timothy. But apart from those two letters that were written to Timothy, he appears in 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and Hebrews. Sounds like to me he spent a lot of time with the Apostle Paul. Sounds like to me he continued on with him in his journeys. And no doubt as he continued on with the Apostle Paul, and Paul began to mentor him and bring him along, and, and, and Timothy began to learn and to follow on in the things of God, a relationship was forged between these two men. Such a relationship that... Paul referred to Timothy in 1 Corinthians 4.17 as his beloved son. He also became somebody that Paul could trust and that could put faith in because he sent a commendation of Timothy to the Philippian church. And I want to go there and read that to you and show just where this particular relationship wound up. We begin in the 19th chapter, the second verse, it says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me In the gospel, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. What a commendation of this young man Timothy by this seasoned apostle by the name of Paul. He had come to be able to place a trust in him to know that he would deliver the same message, the same words, have the same care and the same concern for the people as the Apostle Paul himself had. That's a great asset to have. That's a great uh, a person to have in your corner. Let me tell you, we all need people in our lives. We all need people we can rely on and lean on and depend on. I look out over the congregation this morning, and one of the things that has always struck me, in my mind at least, that is a strength of Church of the Apostles is, I see all ages. I see younger people. I see middle-aged people. I see older people. And what an opportunity there is here at this church to follow through with the exact same things that took place here between Timothy and Paul and put it in action here in this church. Let me ask you younger people that are here today. Do you have somebody here at Coda Church that you would go to and you would depend on and you would ask questions of and that they could become a mentor unto you? Let me ask you older people something. Are you living such a life in front of these people here in this church that that person would be drawn unto you? That that person, maybe not even really knowing in and of themselves why, but they would be drawn unto you because they see something in you that they can put their faith and trust in. Not that they're looking at you per se, certainly our gaze is at Jesus Christ, but even the Apostle Paul himself said, Be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. We are to set an example of a Christian that people would be drawn unto us and they would feel comfortable coming unto us and asking us, asking us about spiritual things. I think about a story I heard not long ago. They had a great revival in the Hebrides, several, many years ago now. But anyway, it was a revival that swept through those islands. And one island in particular was an island that was called Louis. And they said that during this re- great revival, a time of awakening, that people would leave bars. And they would leave dance halls. And they would find their way into the city. And people would ask them, they would say, why did you leave what you were doing and come here? And they had no real explanation for it apart from the fact that they felt drawn to come into the city. And as they felt drawn to come into the city, one of the individuals that was there and many people came to was a constable there in the city. And he was known to be a godly man. He was known to be a fair and a just man. And people were drawn to him because of the character that they knew he had. And because of the life that he lived, they came to him and they said, Help us. We know you know the Lord. We know you know the way. Help us. Help us to find a little bit of what you've got. And that's why we ought to be here in the church. Us older men. Sorry, I'm not young. But us older men ought to be here to help and mentor and bring along you younger men. And we ought to be seeking each other out. And we ought to be putting into place a mirror of what took place here between Paul and Timothy. It ought to be something that is happening and being repeated over and over and over again for our mutual strength that we can work and, and together and that we can help one another and strengthen one another. And that's God's way. That's the way He has designed it, is that we will help each other in that fashion. Let's move on. It said, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia... They attempted to go in Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Twice we see here that Paul had said in his mind to go into a certain area. But twice he was forbidden to do so. But the thing that we need to understand in this is the words that are used here, as far as Paul's being forbidden to go, are different words. They're not the same Greek words. In the first instance here, uh, basically we would put it in our vernacular today, Paul was providentially hindered. Now, how was he providentially hindered? I think we can gain a little bit of insight in the fact of where we see Paul landing. It says that he is in Galatia. I think the way he was providentially hindered was through his health. He couldn't go on into the region that he wanted to go because his health would not allow him. Follow me to the book of Galatians in chapter 4, and we'll begin in verse 12. He says, Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? Paul basically says here, when I came unto you, I came unto you because of poor health. I wanted to go into Asia, but I couldn't. And God placed me here. And even though I may be in poor health, and even though I may not be able to continue on as I would normally do, I'm still going to do the work of the Lord. I think there's an important lesson in that for us. Regardless of where we're at, no matter how dark our day may be, regardless of what our trial and difficulty may be, even though it may be very dark at times, I think we still ought to have our focus fixed on serving the Lord in whatever circumstance we're in. Let me give you a little, for instance, years ago, 2003, probably long about May, I had a party. I was the only one invited. It was a pity party. Let me back up two months and tell you why. March 22nd, 2003, I had a massive heart attack. I flatlined on that day. They tell me I do not remember five times. I got a free helicopter ride. Well, it wasn't free. But I got a helicopter ride to St. Joseph's Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. They were able to stop the heart attack, uh, and they were able to help me to where I could eventually leave that place. But in the midst of all that, I lost half my heart function. And I remember those first days, I was so weak in my body. And again, this was probably long about May, and it's still very weak. And I couldn't even hardly walk to the mailbox and back without being winded. And I remember I was there on the treadmill that night. I was doing all I could do to try to get my strength back. I'm kind of like Paul. I'm very stubborn. You're not going to slow me down. You're not going to stop me. Uh, My wife's sitting back here. She's got some favorite words. Those words are, you're doing too much. You need to slow down. And when those don't work, her favorite word is, stop. I generally keep going. But nonetheless, I was down on the treadmill that night and... I could only even then walk in about ten minute increments because I would get so winded. And I remember as I was walking and I was having my little pity party and I thought to myself, will I ever have strength enough to stand in the pulpit and preach the Word of God again? Will I ever have breath enough to stand and go for the duration that it takes to be able to present a message unto God's people? And I was just sitting down there and I was having my little pity party I got done with the treadmill, I went upstairs, I sat in the chair, knock on the door. I go and I open the door and there stood two young men, you've seen them, black slacks, white shirts, little placards identifying themselves as elder so-and-so and and elder so-and-so. And no sooner than I opened that door and saw those two young men, God spoke to me and He said, you don't have to go. I can bring them to you. You can be right here in this place and I'll bring people to you to share the Word of God. Let me tell you something amazing about that. A solid hour they stood there and we sat down and talked that night. As they started to leave, they looked at me and they said, can we come back next week? I said, you absolutely can. So they came back the second week and we talked some more. And they said, Where do you go to church? And I told them. Lo and behold, they showed up at church that Sunday morning. And they said, can we come back again? And I said, you absolutely can. Three straight Tuesday nights, those young men came to my house, and I was able to share the Word of God with them. And they went to church with me where I knew they would hear the Word of God. In the midst of my dark time, I still had the willingness, and God opened a door for me. And that's what God did here with Paul. He opened a door for him in the midst of his dark days, and in the midst of his temptation, and in the midst of his difficulty... He still was able to serve God in that place. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I'm sure if we all took the time to tell our stories, they would be many and varied. But let me tell you something. Nothing is happening in your life right now that should hinder you from serving God that should hinder you from a desire to to keep your fix and your gaze upon Him and follow Him regardless. And you don't know but what in the darkest days of your life God may well use you the most. You want to know where I've done most of my growing as a Christian? wasn't in the good times. It was in the dark times. It was in the times of trial. It was in the times of tribulation. The times where I had nowhere to go but to God and pour my heart and my soul out unto Him. And then many of those times I felt the Holy Spirit so near and so dear unto me. I remember one night, I won't give all the circumstances, but simply that this was one of those times. And I knelt in front of a bookshelf that was there in my house. And I just poured my heart out unto God. And I don't know that I've ever felt the Holy Spirit any closer to me than I did that night. It was almost as though somebody just come up with a big warm blanket and wrapped me up. And I just felt Him so real. And I knew that regardless of what happened in that situation, I was going to be okay because God was going to see me through. And we need to, even in the midst of our trials and tribulations and our dark days, keep our fix and our gaze upon the Lord. And Paul came to a point in his life where he gloried in his infirmities. Uh, he, he, he realized that they were from God. And if they were from God, they had a reason and they had a purpose. Let's go to the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and we'll look at verses 7 through 10 right quick. Notice what he says. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of revelations, no doubt what Paul saw. No doubt what God had shown him. And we know there was a time where he tells us that he was caught up into the third heaven and saw things that God wouldn't even allow him to pin down. A lot of people believe it was during that time when he was stoned at Lystra that perhaps that was the time when he had that great vision. Perhaps he really had passed away and God brought him back to life and he was able to see great things. But nonetheless, notice what he says as he goes on here. Get back down here. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me and keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord that this or that it should leave me. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. What a great lesson to learn. I mean, in our weakness, the power of God is still available. Uh, even when we're at our lowest, God can still show himself strong and real And God allowed this to stay to keep the apostle humble. Now, he calls it a messenger of Satan. Well, certainly Satan sent it in order to try and hinder the work of Paul. But Paul kept his gaze on God and kept on anyway. And God worked through that situation in order to give strength that he might continue on. So, then we see our second instance here. And we'll go back to Acts chapter 16. We know he wound up in Galatia because of a physical ailment. He said, And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Now, in this instance, this isn't providentially hindered. This is just the Holy Spirit speaking to the heart and mind of Paul and saying, No, you're not going there. That's not what I have in store. That's not where I would have had you to be. And we all need to be open to the leadership of God. We need to be seeking God's face daily as to where He would have us to be and what He would have us to do and who He would be having us to reach out unto. Certainly, uh, God will put people in our lives from time to time that He specifically wants us to talk to. I came across a gentleman here not long ago. Uh, believe it or not, they're, they're building a uh, Hindu krishna temple there in the city of coming and because of my work as a building official for the city i had come in contact with some of those gentlemen that uh, are going to be the leaders in that temple and he shared with me one day that his mother back in india had had a stroke and that she couldn't move and that she couldn't speak and she didn't know uh, his brothers and so he shared that and related it to me One morning I was on the way into work and he come on my heart heavy. I mean, God just put Him on my heart and I could not escape the thoughts of Him. And I just felt like that if I came across Him that day, I was going to have to have prayer with Him. didn't know if He'd even want me to pray with Him. But anyway, that was what was laid upon my heart. And lo and behold, through the course of the day, guess what happened? He and I wound up there at their location and eventually everybody left and there was two people there him and me my mind goes back to the morning and i knew what i had to do and i looked at him and i said do you mind if i pray with you about your mother and he stopped and he stumbled and he said uh excuse me i said do you mind if I have prayer with you for your mother. And he said, please. And so I took his hand, put my hand on his shoulder, and began to pray. I prayed as I would for anybody here in this church. I sought God as sovereign. I sought God as all-powerful. I interceded to God to bring strength and help. And at the end, yes, I said, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. And when I raised up and I looked at this man, he was in tears. And he was just thanking me. And he said, I cannot believe that you would be concerned about my mother. And I'm like, why wouldn't I? I mean, God will lead you into those places if you're open and willing to serve Him. And He'll open those doors of opportunity. And here He closed a door. Paul wanted to go, but the Spirit of God clearly gave him direction and said no, but he had something else for him. He said, and a vision appeared unto Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel unto them. If the Spirit closes the door, guess what? He's going to open another one. He's not going to shut you out. He just do not want you going here. He wants you going there. There's always a door of opportunity open to people who have a desire to serve God, that have a desire to follow Him and do the things that He would have them to do. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and, following, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi which was a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we remained in the city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside to the gate to the riverside where we were supposed that there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Indication here by the fact that they went down to the river that there was not a synagogue there in Philippi. There was not enough Jewish males to be able to set up a synagogue. In instances like that, it was the custom of the Jews to go down by the river and to pray down by the riverside. Go down to Psalm 137 when you have opportunity and read what it says there when the Jews were in captivity. And certainly there was not a temple for them to go and worship. Where did they go? They went down to the river. And that's where Paul knew he would find believers. If there was believers in Philippi at all, or someone who was following or trying to follow best they knew how after God, he would find them there. And that indeed is where he found them. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple. Where did Paul get forbidden to go earlier? Into Asia. You find it ironic that the first person we have a record of that he comes in contact with when he gets down there to Philippi is a lady from Thyatira? Guess where Thyatira's at? In Asia. See so, how you know, the Lord works if we'll just follow? He He's got it better figured out than we ever could. Uh, We just need to follow Him and trust in Him that He knows what He's doing. She was a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. J.P. spoke of this verse a few weeks back when he talked about the sovereignty of God in salvation and when he talked about the doctrines of grace, the eternal election and predestination. He spoke of this, how God opened her heart. He brought that meeting together. He put them both there in that place. And indeed, he had someone who was a believer to a point, but needed a greater knowledge and vision. And it goes on, and after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful uh, to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. I told you there was two very important events in the life of the Apostle Paul. First one was the meeting of Timothy. We've already seen how Timothy stayed with Paul all throughout his ministry and how important that was to him because Paul needed help. I think we often get a vision of Paul... This man with his shoulders thrown back, and his head held high, walking in the city with his fist in the air, proclaiming the Word of God. I don't think that's it at all. I think a lot of times Paul had to be helped into the city. I think a lot of times he had to have somebody on either side of him carrying him in to the city. Uh, Certainly he might have had to have been led because his eyesight had gotten so bad. Uh, we talked about the church at Galatia there, and he all, it said at one point unto them, he said, You see how large a letter I have written by my own hand. He wasn't talking about the length of the book of Galatians. He was talking about the letters that he used because his eyesight was so poor, he had to write really big. But Paul wrote that letter to the Galatians himself. We know he had poor eyesight, but let's look at something else. We talked a while ago about Being stoned. Can you imagine what that does to your body? Can you imagine what he looked like after being stoned and drug out and left for dead? Now let me add some other things to that. He tells us over in the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 11 that five times he received 40 stripes save one by the Jews. The Jewish law allowed them in punishment to give somebody 40 stripes. They never gave 40 stripes. They only gave 39. You want to know why? They felt like they were being merciful. How nice. But you figure that up. Five times 39 stripes. That's 195 lashes. And may I suggest to you that's 195 scars. Every one of them, no doubt, peeled his skin apart. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. I've tried my best to try and figure out what that is, differing opinions. But at the very least, we'd say, you've seen in the stores, especially around in these areas, the walking sticks that people use when they go hiking. At the very least, that's what it was. At the most, I've read some people that believe that they would tie rocks to the end of it. And they would use it like a club and they would beat somebody that way. Either way, folks, three times being beat with rods, again, that's got to leave a mark. That, that, that's that got to harm the body. No doubt coming away with, with broken bones and, and problems all about the head because you know they went to the head. Wasn't satisfied that beat on his body. They wanted to inflict as much damage as they could. So by the time Paul endured all this, he tells us he was shipwrecked. Tells us he spent a, a night and a day floating out on the ocean. Talks about being hungry. Talks about being without water. Talks about being in danger constantly. And then he goes on and says, and on top of this, the anxiety that exists in my concern for the churches that I have established. He didn't just set them up and go away and forget about them. He thought about them every day. He prayed about them every day. And no doubt all that weighing upon the mind and the body of the Apostle Paul, many times he probably had to be helped into the city. And Timothy was there for him for that reason and for that purpose. But now we have the church at Philippi and we see the beginnings of the church at Philippi. Let's go and read some of the things the Apostle Paul had to say to that church. Paul had a great affinity for the church at Philippi. Uh, He was very endeared to them and they to him. No doubt he had concern and love for all the churches, but we're humans. We know how it goes. Our hearts sometimes tend to go stronger in certain directions towards other people. Uh, Not that we don't love everybody or love all those that belong to the Lord, but certainly our hearts and our minds are more geared towards certain individuals, and that was the case here with the church at Philippi. Notice what he says in chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, uh, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of the grace both in my imprisonment and in defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with a knowledge and all discernment. Paul had a great affinity for that church. Look at some of the other churches he wrote to. Let's go back to the church at Galatia. They had turned away from the things Paul taught. He had to write them a letter and say unto them, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Who has turned your heart and mind away from the things that I delivered unto you? It had to be a scathing letter written unto them. We know he wrote to the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church had divisions among them and had all kinds of problems. And he had to address those things. You won't find that in the book of Philippians. You'll just find a, 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 a strengthening and an encouragement in this book. Let's go on to chapter 2, verses 1-11. through 11. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, my participation in the Spirit, an affection and a sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, And of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by the taking the form of a servant and being born in in the likeness of men and being found in human form, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What's He saying unto them? Humble yourselves together. Love one another. Don't be looking at your own interests all the time. But be looking for those that are around you that are in need. We're also told, are we not, to rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep? How often can you get under the burden of somebody else's problems and weep with them and cry out unto God for them and feel that same uh, sense of urgency and necessity? We ought to be able to. What does the Bible say about us? We're a family. If you're a believer, as I am this morning, I'm looking in the face of my sisters. My brothers. You're my family. I've got a blood family. Mother's gone. Dad's still alive. Got a brother. Brother. Cousins, uncles, the whole thing. Grandparents have passed. I had blood family. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a sense in which the spirit family relationships can be forged. that go far beyond anything blood can provide. I had a great set of grandparents on both sides, on my mother's side and my dad's side, and I loved them. But I pastored a church one time, and the congregation was primarily older individuals. I had a lot of grandmothers, and I had a lot of grandfathers. And as I learned a lot of things from my earthly grandparents, I learned some things from my spiritual grandparents as well. I remember the day that I left that church was my last Sunday there. One gentleman in particular came to me. I was probably about 40 years old. He was in his late 70s. He came. He took my hand. He said, I want to thank you. I have learned so much from you. And I looked at him. I said, you hadn't learned near from me what I have from you. And he looked at me dumbfounded like he didn't know what I was talking about. That's because he didn't try to teach me something. It came natural. It was who He was. I want us to turn in closing. I will be done here in a second. I've never watched a clock. I'm sorry. (laughs) Not really. But in the book of Titus, chapter 2, you probably know it well. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self control sound in faith, in love, and steadfastness. J.P. has a saying. You've probably picked up on it as I have. He says from time to time, he'd be talking about a certain thing. He said, what does that look like? How's that going to manifest itself in our lives? And if it does manifest in our lives, what's it going to look like? Well, here's what a Christian ought to look like. Here's the things that God would have the older men of the church to be. Again, going back to what I said a while ago, so that the younger men will be drawn unto them. He goes on, self-control, sound in the faith, and love and steadfastness. That's the way this man was. I was able to teach him from the Word. He was able to teach me indeed. He showed me what it looked like. He showed me how it panned out in the life of a Christian day by day by day. I think of some godly women that were up there. Uh, Many of them had infirmities. One in particular, congestive heart failure and diabetes, both. Confined to a wheelchair. Godly woman. Prayed constantly. And whenever somebody would be there in her presence and she'd begin or they had begun to talk about somebody there in the community, that conversation was over for her. You can believe she was not going to badmouth anybody. She wasn't going to run anybody down. She just quit talking. We got that here too. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, she understood that, or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, To train the younger women to love their husbands and children and be self control pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands that the Word of God may not be reviled. What's it saying? We're a family. My daddy didn't leave me to myself. Dad tried to bring me up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I was at church, no questions asked. As a young man, I thought that was just the least little bit excessive. But I look back on it now, and I thank God for it. He brought me along. He taught me what was right. And when I strayed, it's been a long time ago, he told me to go to the basement. Do I have to tell you what that meant? (laughs) And if he ever once told me to go to the basement, there wasn't going to be any getting out of it. It was sealed. It was set. That discipline was coming. He brought me along. He taught me in all the ways that were available unto him. And that's what we ought to be doing here as a church. Loving one another. Caring for one another. Teaching one another. Reaching out to each other. We're a family. And this Philippian church was tight-knit. It was a group that people sought to follow the Lord. And not only that, they sought to help other people who follow the Lord. We're here at Coda Church. We come, we gather in this place. This isn't the only church there is, folks. God's got people everywhere. He's got all over this area like-minded brothers and sisters in Christ. And we ought to be able to have fellowship with them even as we do when we gather here in this place. And they understood that. And that's why they were willing to help Paul and reach out unto him. Paul said everybody had forsaken him at one point, but the Philippian church was still there and they were still helping him along his way. Two very important events. Timothy and the Philippian church. God worked. God saw to Paul's needs. God saw to the furtherance, more importantly, of the gospel. And if we become willing What a great light this church can be to the furtherance of the gospel of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for uh, the opportunity that we've had to come, Lord, again, to sing praise unto you, to worship your name. And God, I pray, Lord, that in some way, uh, Lord, something that has been said today has found a lodging place in the hearts and the minds of these, your people. God, I pray it would be something that they could take home with them, Uh, Lord, something that they could think about throughout the course of the week, and ultimately, Lord, something that will be a strength and a help to them in in their lives. Lord, guide us in your ways. May everything we do, Lord, be in accordance to your will. Lead us into those places you would have us to go. Lord, keep us from the places you would have us not to go. But, Lord, in all that we do, Lord, may we have a desire to serve you daily in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.